Hey fam, hope this uh, podcast greets you in the best of spirits, uh, even if it's only for a few minutes, whatever your situation may be. I hope you're you're experiencing some serenity. You know, I usually start the podcast sending you out some positive loving energy because I know in these days and times especially, I mean, it's always helpful to send out some positive loving energy, but in in this current global climate and not just our national climate, I I feel my uh, desire is to send out even more because I think that flow of energy can circulate and hopefully we can maintain it in the midst of what we perceive as chaos, although chaos sometimes is necessary to bring about clarity um, and renewal. Anyway, I digress. I wanted to come in here and share this with you because um, in the midst of all, you know, everybody's talking about politics, celebrity drama and everything else. And sometimes I'll touch on that, the cultural stuff, um, educational stuff, which um, a lot of times as far as uh, cultural, meaning historical, historical uh, education, I'll refer, you know, to the actual sources um, from where I obtained either perspective or new knowledge. Um, sometimes it'll just be commentary on, you know, information that, that's been put out there. And, you know, full disclaimer, many things I may, you know, I, I'm discussing may create some discomfort or a lot of discomfort. That said, it's okay. I want you to know it's all right. Uh, with that discomfort, there are a couple things you can do. You can acknowledge that you're uncomfortable, you have some discomfort and keep it moving. You can acknowledge the discomfort and do some more research and figure out, you know, why there is such a discomfort for you and um, educate yourself about it. Or you can just make peace that, hey, listen, I, I research it, I still disagree and I keep it moving. What I definitely um, want to point out to is, however those categories work out for you and anything in between, please respect the fact that this is my commentary. It doesn't have to be yours. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm offering a perspective, right? I'm, I may be offering a historical perspective, a commentary on a historical uh, event, um, giving you some kind of education. Sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's more um relational or, you know, third person, however the case may be, it's my perspective. And, you know, something um, I heard, I've heard several YouTube vloggers mention, which is you can agree to disagree and be disagreeable, you know, without being so disagreeable. But if you feel you have a valid um, or you have a perspective that needs to be shared throughout the diaspora, feel free to start your own podcast or do your own YouTube channel. I mean, all of that is available to you in today's uh, internet, uh, techn- technological, um, world we live in, right? So it's important to recognize that. By the way, just a side note, I'm really working on that saying, um, and, uh, a lot, something I corrected years ago doing my schooling years and doing presentations. And yet I find myself falling into this pattern again, every once in a while when I, you know, listen or do a preview of the podcast, Although I'm still learning this new format. The one thing I've noticed about Anchor is that it's a lot for more time, what used to be much shorter, shorter time. By the way, Anchor, thank you for that because it allows a more fluid, you know, um, here I go again. It allows for a more fluid conversation. Okay, so let's get started. End of last year, uh, I just did it again, right? End of last year, 
it appeared that I had gotten either the flu or some type of virus. And I had taken my flu shots. I'd done, you know, the, the, the you know, procedural protocols and uh, pr- proactive measures. I had taken them. Nonetheless, you know, and sometimes they tell you that, or, you, you know, medical professionals will tell you, sometimes when you're given the flu vaccine, you actually exhibit, you end up exhibiting sim- sy- symptoms of the flu, which is interesting to me. I suppose your immune system then says, okay, well, while I'm building your intolerance for it, I need for you to go through it so that the antibodies to protect you from it can fully go to full strength. Now, that's my layman's term of understanding. Consult a doctor to, you know, uh, certify physicians to really get the gist on that. But that's that's my understanding of it. Nonetheless, at first it started out really bad. Like it felt like it was the flu. My body was tired. I was experiencing more electrical current through my body. Now, mind you, um, in the second childhood and through uh, years of military service, I've, you know, I've experienced my body has gone through some, you know, metamorphosizing from knee surgeries where I get the constant chronic pain to a C-section where, you know, I still get muscle spasms from time to time to remind me that, you know, my, my young prince (laughs) once uh, cohabitated in me. Also, I have sciatica, which you can look up yourself. It's a very painful experience in the lower back where it feels like it's swelling up, it's heating up, you have fluid, and then it just does muscle spasms. Not to mention my mid you know, to upper back has its own electrical current and I have a pinched nerve. So that's some of my symptoms. Migraines come on and off. You know, it's like a triggering effect. If any of you ever play dominoes, it's like one thing starts and it spirals, you know, it just, the dominoes keep falling. And other times, you know, I keep it at bay, especially with muscle relaxers, you know, pain control medicines, where I'm really trying, I'm really working hard to find alternative measures to keep stuff at bay. I've always, you know, I've always preferred that. However, comma pause for effect, based on the extremity of pains, especially my tolerances change from decade to decade, you know, I've decided, well, you know, these prescribed meds, you know, they, they do have their point. As long as I keep cleansing my system and eating, you know, balanced meals as best as I can and nourishing my, my spirit, my physical, my, my physical body, my physical vehicle, my spirit, my emotions, even though sometimes, you know, like I told you that, that whole functional melancholy kind of interacts with the physical pain. In any case, back on t- back on topic, my feet were burning. I was starting. I was feeling like um, vertical. You know that's that sensation of I couldn't keep my balance. Well, at first I I did what I you know usually. Well, you don't know, but for me, what I usually attempt is just natural remedies at home. Some over over the counter prescriptions uh, to see. I'm doing it again uh, to see, you know, if if possibly these symptoms or whatever the causality is can can be removed, dissolved. Well, that didn't happen. So I felt like I couldn't move sometimes. The pain throughout my body, especially the electric current, I was having numbing and tingling in my feet and my in my hands, which I've experienced before. However, this was like on another level, you know. So finally, I made a doctor's appointment. Went to the doctors and they ran some tests, blood tests. They did a culture test to see maybe I had strep or um, I don't remember what the other ones were. But anyway, it's a culture. And then they took a lot of blood, you know, to figure out, okay, what was going on? Well, when they came back out, they were, you know, the doctors were like, well, 
it may be a virus infection. We're not really sure. So we're just going to overload you with, you know, antibi you know, um, what is it? Antibiotics, you know, medication, and we'll just treat it from all sides. And hopefully that should subside, you know, your, your symptoms or, and the medication should get to the causality, to the root of the issue. And by default, your symptoms will improve and or completely dissipate. Right. Well, that didn't happen. So then went back to the doctor because they, you know, they had appointments for me to follow up to see how I was doing. Well, that was, it was still very painful. Now, mind you, I was going to my, um, military doctors since I'm retired, I, you know, military doctors versus VA, which I can go into another time, but VA can be a very traumatic experience just to go see the doctors. But I didn't end up in the emergency room only for them to send me home saying, well, they really can't do anything until the ultrasound that was already scheduled by a previous PCM was done. Um, even though it's, they're all somewhat connected in their systems and just said, well, there's nothing we can do for you for the pain. So that, that felt like, uh, hmm, some hours of my life that I really wasn't going to get back. You know, and it took all the strength in me to drive there and back. Anyway, I yes, I could have asked some extended loved ones. I'm more of that type of person where I'm going to do as much as possible myself. And then if I absolutely must, no matter what, need some assistance, then I ask for it. Um, some folks say to not necessarily to my detriment, but it could have saved me sometimes. There are times when it could have saved me a, a little, you know, a little bit of, you know, less frustration, but. But it is what it is. I've come to understand that about myself and stay aware of it enough to really ask myself, hey, is this one of those times or do we need to really get another bottle back right? So we're back to the doctor. They still couldn't figure it out. The doctor said, listen, honestly, we don't know if you're having an allergic reaction. We're going to have to change your meds because I was having a bad reaction to one of the meds they gave me. And they scheduled an ultrasound. And then they scheduled, um, what else did they, they, they scheduled something else. You might've heard a call right, right there. I'm not really sure. And, um, I said, I'm saying I'm against him. I'm really being cognizant of this. So, you know, a referral was made for an, um, an allergist. I'm sure there's a fancier name for doctor of allergies, but an allergist. And in the meantime, they, you know, they gave me modified medication to see what's going on with me because the doctor said, listen, honestly, I don't know. You, you have too many symptoms between the electrical currents, um, your body feeling out of whack, you have a fever, your, your, you know, your mobility starting to get limited, your, the tingling in your body is becoming worse, you know, and I have some screws in, in, um, my body. So I said, well, maybe that's part of it, but that's, it's never been that intense. Swelling is happening. And I, I like my congestion got really badly to the point where mucus and this is going to get a little might seem a little gross. Mucus and phlegm was just everywhere in my in my uh, chest area. Like I'd fall asleep and it'd just be drooling. Yeah, I know that's kind of disgusting. But hey, it is what it is. I had napkins. I you know try to wipe it off and whatnot. Um, as best as one can do when stuff is just like drooling from you, whether you realize it or not. Or sometimes it'd be so much that I'd literally it would wake me up. So I'm sharing all this with you. I'm sharing these symptoms because somewhere somebody you know, or maybe you have or are experiencing these symptoms and I'm getting somewhere with this. So went to the allergist, uh, again, did more blood work, uh, than he's actually sent me, which tell you, uh, no matter what your, your spiritual faith is, and I'm not talking about religion again, it's amazing how things, as you seek solutions, solutions appear. So where the allergy sent me to was a hospital where the lab was. 
And while I was at the lab, because there was a delay and there was a, what is it? A, a lack of staffing, a, a small amount of staff. I, the phrasing misses me right now. But anyway, there weren't that many staff personnel. So th- there was a big delay to draw blood, etc. And I was sitting there. My feet felt even more on fire. I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience, but in, in a really weird way, not the kind where you're just like, oh, look, look what's going on. Um, and I can talk about some of these other body experiences when it comes to trauma. That'll be for another podcast. In any case, while there, I realized, okay, um, I said, I'm again. Okay, this this is, yeah, this is for the birds. I, I don't know what's going on. And uh, I just, I had already gone to the V emergency room. There, there was, it was, like I said, hours in my life that I just, I could have stayed in bed, you know, rather than pushing myself to drive. Well, yeah, I could have called some extended family friends, but I, yeah, I felt like I could do it myself. So, so there we go. Any, anywho, I asked the uh, technicians uh, that were drawing the blood. I, I, I caught myself. I said, uh. And they said, well, you know what? The emergency room they directed me is in the same building. They said, why don't you go to the emergency room? Because it sounds like something is really, you know, exacerbating in you. So I went to the emergency, found the emergency room, went. But it was a time of flu season and a lot of people were getting sick. So I ended up in the emergency room, and this is no exaggeration, for about 11 and a half hours before I could see a doctor. To the point where they'd rotate, you know, every few hours to get your blood pressure, to take your temperature. And there were people there longer than me. So on the one hand, I was feeling some kind of way. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, there are people who have been in 14 hours. What am I going to say? People, you know, more seasoned than me in, in, in terms of age or who appear to be. And people were lying, you know, just lying on beds. They were just they were just having a, an out-of-body experience as well. And some there were some kind staff who brought us blankets because it was cold. They brought us warm blankets, you know, as best as they could to keep us comfortable because, well, when you're in an emergency room, as many of you may have gone, and there's, there's different degrees of emergency room, I've yet to meet one that's just like chill. You know, nonetheless, this one was somewhere in between. The staff was pretty cool, so that helped. But the pain is pain. You know, and when people are in pain, it really... It just gets to a point where you just kind of like, look. So by the time I saw a doctor, 11 and a half hours later, they took me. It appeared that all of the beds were filled up, okay? Every room was filled up, so they basically put me on one bed that was like in the hallway because that's apparently that was pretty much, and I saw other people in the hallway, so it wasn't just me. It wasn't like, oh, they're going to do this to me. But I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this. When you're in so much pain, you just don't care. You're just like... Do something. Get this. <laughs> kind of. I guess when people, or some people on labor, I had a C-section, but it's like just, just, just do this. Make it, make, make it get better. You know. So I explained the symptoms to the emergency room doctor, and he's like, "We're gonna have to admit you. I'm not really sure. I have an idea of what it could be, but we need to do an MRI and we need to do some more um, blood, blood work, etc." Well, on the one hand. I was grateful to have at least gotten to that point. And on the other hand, I was like, huh? Oh, MRI? Now, mind you, that MRI took another six hours, just, just, so, just so we understand each other. So pretty much I was in that hallway, you know, lights, people passing back and forth. Listen, it's an ER. People need help. Didn't really phase me. I, you know, I told uh, a nurse, I, I think, and I were talking. I said, you know what? 
And actually, he's part military too. He's retired military. And I said, well, you know what? After you've gone through certain things in the military, whether it's sleeping in cots, sleeping on the dirt in the floor, um, dirt on the floor that well, you know, sleeping in the dirt outdoors, sleeping in the sand or sleeping on cots, you know, a variety of different environments. This is, eh, this is, this may feel somewhat on, you know, not my cup of tea because I'm not in a room, but trust and believe it's survivable. So if any of you find yourself in that position, I'm not saying if this is the highest level of discomfort you've experienced, then, hey, you're in a pretty good position. Whereas I was just like, eh, let's keep it all in perspective. So six hours late, or actually in between my MRI, within those six hours, I think I was completely groggy. The lights had gone down. So that must tell you something, I guess the, the shift or whatever, there was a point in time where they just kind of dimmed the lights. And I was trying to sleep, but not really. By the way, something else, which I found very interesting about healthcare. Not only did I have to pay my copay for the allergist that same day, and thank goodness I had at least a debit card on me because, you know, a lot of times we don't carry cash anymore. And I don't remember if I had cash, but it still wouldn't have been enough. While I was in the ER, under bed, without having done anything, a member of the ER staff or, you know, hospital comes and rolls their little card, which technology is a beautiful thing. They they can come to you in a little card. And um, the young lady, nice, very nice young lady, said, um, you have a copay, so we're going to need that. Um, what, what means do you have? Debit, cash. And I was thinking, wow, this is the state of healthcare. Like, you, you, you feel like you're about to like lose a body limb and they're like, that will be, you know, $30, $60, please <laughs> drive to the next window. Although I didn't have to drive to the next window, but I was like, that's $60 on demand. As we, before we begin in treatment, or I don't know if they would have continued that way, but it sounded like that. We're going to need for you to pay up something. We know what your other insurance company is. So that's your saving grace um, because I pay premium for that. And it's, you know, for um, retired military, but we're going to need you to pay your copay up front. And I thought to myself, wow, that's deep. You know, that's deep. Uh, so when we talk about, and I caught myself with the high again, when we talk about universal health care or having uh, more options in terms of our health care to reduce the cost, yes, I get it. You know, I am by no means am I in the millionaire's club, at least not yet, Uh <laughs> But, I, but, but I'm, you know, there are different ways to categorize wealth, right? The fact that I'm even able to at least say, here's my debit card and, oh, I have insurance backup, even, with a, even though I have a copay, is a form of wealth to me, right? Because I know not everybody even has uh, that, that benefit or that blessing at their disposal. So, all right, so in the middle of the night somewhere, and I mind you, I think they gave me something for the pain, so I may have been really groggy. I was still feeling the electrocurrents. I felt like electricity is running through me. To this day, still, I haven't been back to my neuro, um, neuro doctors, neurologists. <laughs> um, forgive me if I'm messing up their official uh, specialized title because I still get the electrocurrents in my feet, sometimes in my hands, the tingling, sometimes certain toes I, I still don't feel. Like right now, I'm talking to you, but the beauty of, about being in the military too, you learn to push beyond your tol- your pain tolerance. Go figure, right? In any case, so in between that, there's a doctor that comes to me and very nice man. I don't know if I saw him again. I think I did, but it was dark. So, you know, part of me thought, oh, maybe I'm like on a, you know, trip. I've never d- taken LSD or even, you know, I've been around, you know, cannabis, but I, not to sound like one of the presidents, 
I, I was around it, I inhaled or something like that, but I know somewhat what it smells like. And actually in California, we had, there were some members in our uh, building that apparently either were growers and are very good con- uh, connoisseurs of it. So you could pass by the hallway and like get a, you know, a vicarious high. Anywho, I wasn't sure if I was tripping, I think is the word, right? But I remember the doctor coming. I, I Later on, I found out I wasn't, you know, <laughs> despite maybe that, that initial thought or that thought later. And I, he, he asked me about the symptoms. He mentioned he was, I think, a neurologist. And he mentioned, he, he asked me about the symptoms. I explained to them what I was feeling, the electrical current. I know what the routine color currents in my body feel like. This is extreme. My feet are burning. I feel like I'm on fire. I feel like the currents are flowing everywhere. I have tingling. I there's There was lots of sensation even, okay, this is my feel a little gross, but hey, go with it. Even going to the bathroom, you know, I, I'd go urinate but I could barely feel it. That whole area felt numb. And as far as even going potty, like a number two, forget about it. I couldn't feel anything. Like my muscles, I know could, you know, should be contracting, but I could not feel them for the life of me. And that really scared the daylights out of me. Besides the fact that I felt like moving was even harder than it normally is. Now, you know, I wake up, like, I feel like the hunchback of Notre Dame, like muscles are talking to me. My limbs are like, Hey, what's up? Remember when you pushed us with all those rucksacks and, and you wanted to be like, you know, superwoman? Well, (laughs) welcome to the aftermath, right? This, however, was even worse, right? Um, and then I would lose my balance out of nowhere. And I wasn't wearing heels. I was, you know, I usually like to walk barefoot or with a sock on, mainly because, you know, sometimes I have, uh, what is it, um, plantar fasciitis along, you know, fallen arches, what have. I know you probably wouldn't even, what the heck? You use like a, you know, <laughs> your body's like a, a mixture of all kinds of madness. Yes, but it's mine and I work with it and I do what I can, when I can, how I can. Any case. So I explained to him, listen, I'm losing balance. He asked, he went over to Simpson. I said, well, ha- have you ever seen situations like this? Because I was, you know, then it wasn't a functional melancholy. I was just like a hot mess. I was crying. I felt overwhelmed. I felt very powerless. I felt, yeah, I felt, I don't know if despair is quite it. I don't think I had reached despair, but I felt like what in the world is going on with me? Well, one thing that gave me a little light uh, was, I used, I try not to use the word light and dark because it, you know, society, we've kind of made, attached certain images to those. Like everything dark is bad and everything light is good. And I'm not really fond of that. Verbiage means something. It has meaning. And once it's into the psyche, um, it, 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 it then manifests or projects onto everything we see and how we see it. So I was in a very unknown space and this particular doctor gave me a glimpse of clarity. Yeah, that, that works for me. And I asked the doctor, well, have you ever, like, am I just an anomaly or have you ever had patients with this? And he said, yes, I have had patients with it. You're not alone. I recognize the symptoms you're talking about. However, we're going to have to do the MRI, do some, you know, blood work for the blood work to confirm what we, what we suspect it is. And on the one hand, I appreciated that that glimpse of clarity. On the end, I was like, "Well, dang, what 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 what, what are we talking about?" And at the time, I didn't know they were doing a full MRI from my head to my toe, right? Because I didn't know what it was they suspected. Then after they did MRC, I was six hours later, but the staff was really nice. Uh, one of the doctors came back. Well, actually, I, a group of doctors came back. Some were interns. I felt like a you know, um, not a lab rat, but you know, one of those case studies they talk about. 
And I won't go into everything else they found out, but I, I want to stay focused on this. Well, I can talk about the other stuff uh, on another podcast because it talks about women and how, um, well, how trauma can lead us into relationships that are just toxic in so many ways. Anywho, a group of physicians came back. Then another group of physicians came back and the, I think the second or third iteration of physicians, as they were observing uh, me, <laughs> They, one of the physicians mentioned they're going to have to do like a spinal tap. And um, I'm used to getting injections into my lower back and my upper back and even my next kind of buffer pain. But this is the opposite. It's extracting data. And I had to do a series of other exams that I think usually are reserved for males. And can I just tell you, I have a new, I, I thought just getting a pap smear and, you know, some of the other stuff that females get was one thing. But this, whoa, other than, you know, my stay in the hospital, my C-section, getting suppositories. Wow, guys, I, I I feel for you. So some of you can imagine what those exams were. If you can't, don't worry about it. <laughs> somebody somebody will tell you eventually. So, but in addition to those, they told me they'd have to do a um, spinal tap, draw fluids out of my spine. And I had to be in the fetus position and they had to hold me down. And I had to be very careful because, you know, wrong move slip of the knot and that could create even greater paralysis. Can I just tell you that was kind of like, well, 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 dang. So I decided, all right, well, not decided it was necessary. So I said, well, I'll, I'll just have to do it. That's it. There's, there's no if ends or buts about it. I'll have to go ahead and go through. Well, it's not like it was an option. I needed to get relief. So, uh, went through that very painful process. I, I, I gotta tell you, not one I'd recommend. It's not like staying at the, I don't know, Holiday Inn or a fancy hotel. It was just that kind of situation. So I said, okay, let's, let's just muddle through. Let's, let's keep pushing through. Well, what they discovered was uh, once all of that was done, I said, oh, again, once all of that was done, what the doctors explained to me is that I had developed I, from this virus infection, what, what have you, uh, a condition called Guillain-Barre syndrome, right? Now, According to the Mayo Clinic, I think they, they pronounce it, what is it? Uh, I, I included it in the description. They pronounce it, Guy, let me see, Guillaume Now, having a French background from the colonizers who uh, graced my ancestors with uh, their, you know, savagery and presence, and it is what it is because we still have their tags on us because I carry a French last name and have a French name, period. But I know how to at least pronounce it in the French way. So it's called Guillain-Barre syndrome. And I'm going to read to you from the Mayo Clinic, what is Guillain-Barre syndrome? Guillain-Barre syndrome is a rare disorder in which your body's immune system attacks your nerves. So while I had the virus infection, my body was, can I just tell you this a side note, as I learned, the body's respect, you know, your immune system is a respect of is not a respecter of persons. So when medication is injected or when your body is attempting to fight a virus or anything, it sometimes, and oh, I, as I understand it, it, it need not distinguish between the foreign entities that it needs to remove, like the, you know, the uninvited guests versus those that are invited versus the, 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 the systems or the um, nerves that need to stay, 
Okay, I'm losing my train of thought. So let me continue with, with the Mayo Clinic's description. So Guillain-Barre syndrome is a rare disorder in which your body's immune system attacks your nerves. Weakness and tingling in your extremities are usually the first symptoms. Ding, ding, ding. That's what happened to me. These sensations can quickly spread, eventually paralyzing your whole body. By divine grace, it wasn't my whole body, but I had started to feel the paralysis. Not understanding it, I thought it was just fatigue. I do get fatigue, but this was like fatigue on like a you know, super extreme level. Okay, so not only can these sensations quickly spread and eventually paralyzing the whole body, in most severe, in its most severe form, Guillain-Barre syndrome is a medical emergency. Most people with the condition must be hospitalized to receive treatment. Well, I didn't know. Right. So I went weeks. I tried natural remedies before I even went to the doctor. Meanwhile, this was, you know, accelerating into something that I had no idea. I'd never heard of Guillain-Barre syndrome before. So let's just let's just keep it real. And 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 really, why would I? I didn't encounter anybody, although it has a French name, didn't mean I was interested, you know, in all French names, much less French conditions. So. So, yeah. And apparently, just to give you a little bit of background before I go back to um, the Mayo Clinic's description, uh, I did, I did some research, you know, they made it told me I'm, I'm that person. I'm like, okay, let's find out as much about this as possible because I am, you know, feeling some kind of way. So according to, uh, this Guillain-Barre syndrome was coined or named in 1916 after George Guillain, George Guillain, because the way his name is spelled is, is spelled, sounds like he was French. Uh, from 1876 to 1961 when he passed and Jean Barré, which is also very French, even if they're not French themselves, their families are somewhere that was French in the bloodline. Two of those who first described the syndrome. So that's where we get Guillain-Barre syndrome. They share the, you know, credit for, uh, you know, describing this, this condition. Anyway, the exact cause of Guillain-Barre syndrome is unknown, but it is often preceded, preceded by an infectious illness such as a respiratory infection or the stomach flu. Ding, ding, ding. Whether I knew it or not, that was part of the respiratory um infection that I had, a virus infection that the doctor suspected, and flu-like symptoms, right? There's no known cure for Guillain-Barre syndrome, but several treatments can ease the symptoms and reduce the duration of the illness. Most people recover from Guillain-Barre syndrome, though some may experience lingering effects from it, such as weakness, numbness, or fatigue. Well, yep, experiencing all of those. Didn't realize that's what it was. All right. Guillain-Barre syndrome often begins with tingling and weakness starting in your feet. Hello. And legs and spreading to your upper body and arms. Hello, same things I was experiencing. And about half of the people with this disorder, symptoms begin in the arms or face. As Guillain-Barre syndrome progresses, muscle weakness can evolve into paralysis, which is what the neurologist team told me that I had. Most patients, by the time they get to them, are in full paralysis. So again, I feel very blessed that although I was experiencing some, it wasn't. Um, to that extent, right? Basically, your ner- our nerves, those of us who have Guillain-Barre syndrome, our nerves are damaged, uh, our nerves, um, and the myelin, myelin, M-Y-E-L-I-N, Michael Yankee, Echo Lima, Indian, November, spelled F, um, oh, in a military way, the sheet that covers the nerves, that buffers as currents go through and communication goes through the body to the brain, get damaged, right? They get stripped away. So once the body doesn't have that, the buffer does, you know, is no longer there. Your body's just like, Hey, everything is trafficking. And your brain is like, Whoa, what's going on? And it's like a bandwidth, right? Not only uh, is the traffic to, to get to the brain 
a little bit slow, which is why you, the loss of balance, because the, the traffic that says to the brain, well, I'm moving my left foot versus my right foot, the brain is not getting it quick enough because there's like, like that little spiral sometimes, in, you know, when you get, um, when you're trying to get to the internet or when you're accessing the internet, well, that spiral is causing a delay. So because of the delay, your right and your left foot, how the brain would then say, okay, you moved your left, now you're moving your right, doesn't happen. So therefore balance goes out of whack. Right. So some of the signs and symptoms, uh, prickling pins and needles sensation felt that in your fingers, toes, ankles or wrists still feel that weakness in your legs, spits your upper body unsteady walking or inability to walk or climb stairs. That unsteady thing. They weren't kidding. Uh, Difficulty with eye or facial movements. My eyes already had some issues with fluid in them. I know, like I told you, it's like when it comes at you, life comes at you like quickly. Right. Severe pain that may feel achy, cramp like almost like you're having your period for men uh, who are wondering, like you're having cramps, but they get worse, right? Difficulty with bladder control or bowel function. Hello, had that completely. Rapid heart rate, well, sometimes I get, you know, not sometimes, I have anxiety. So sometimes I get that rapid heart rate. So that by itself wouldn't have given me any, you know, real clue. Low high blood pressure. My my blood pressure, I I think was even keel. Uh, Difficulty breathing. Yes, I felt like even worse. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've gained some weight. My physical, you know, stamina has changed uh, <laughs> more in my 40s than it was when I was, you know, in active duty military. But anywho, that alone wouldn't have been enough. Well, people with Guillain-Barre syndrome experience their most significant weakness within two or four weeks after symptoms began, which is pretty much what happened. Later in the in the year, I was going through all of this. By the new year, which were weeks into, like maybe a week into the new year, here we go. Now, they're described as um, several forms of Guillain-Barre syndrome. The main, t- the main types are acute inflammatory, demyelinating, polyradicule, low neuropathy. Say that three times. So acute inflammatory demyelinating polyradiculoneuropathy, AIDP. Listen, I'm not going to say it a third time. Do the research. It's in the Mayo Clinic, which is the most common form in the U.S. The most common sign of AIDP is muscle weakness that starts in the lower part of the body and spreads upward. Miller-Fisher syndrome, which is another version of uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome, is where analysis starts in the eyes. MFS, as it's commonly referred to, is also associated with an unsteady gait. Well, so I had a little bit of that, right? MFS occurs in about 5% of people with Guillain-Barre syndrome in the U.S., but is more common in Asia. Well, somehow I had to be one of the 5%. You know, sometimes you ever ask yourself, seriously, like, if this is rare, really? Like, not that you wish it upon anybody else, that you wish it to be at all, but you're like, really? Out of the 5%, that's... You know what I'm saying? Couldn't I be the 5% that won like the lotto or something? Anywho, another version, another main type of Guillain-Barre syndrome or GBS as it's also referred to is acute motor axoneuropathy. Hey, I can say that a little bit easier, right? Acute motor axoneuropathy, which is short for AMON or um, I'll say HAMON, it's AMAN, you know, AMON. I don't know if that's able to spell it, but pronounce it, but that's why I'm say- saying it. Uh and acute motor sensory axoneuropathy, which is AMSIN, right? Look at that. Acute motor sensory axoneuropathy. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just like, the fact that I'm even able to pronounce it right now is amazing, which is less common in the U.S., but AMON and AMSAN, AMAN and AMSAN are more frequent in China, Japan, and Mexico. Just FYI. So when you see a doctor, um, 
if you have the mouth tingling in your toes and fingers, that doesn't seem to be spreading or getting worse. Seek emergency. Um, that seems to be spreading or getting worse. That, that doesn't, but that seems to be spreading. Seek emergen- emergency medical help if you have any of these symptoms, right? Tingling that started in your feet and toes and now moving up your body. Tingling weakness that spread that's spreading rapidly. Difficulty catching your breath or shortness of breath when lying flat, which happened to me. Choking on saliva still happens to me, right? Wakes me up right away. Um, because Guillain-Barre syndrome GBS is a serious condition, which requires immediate hospitalization because it can worsen rapidly. Something I learned from personal experience. The sooner appropriate treatment is started, the better chance of a good outcome. What they did for me, I had to be in the hospital several days. The myelin that was stripped from my uh, nerves was then re-injected into my body to help recreate the buffer that my body needed to set up the signals to also allow the signals to go to my brain in a you know in a five G bandwidth manner so that I could, my brain would know when my left foot was moving versus my right and keep my balance a little bit more. I had to do some walking and all these other things, right? No one knows what the exact cause is. Uh, According to Mayo Clinic, the exact cause of Guillain-Barre syndrome or GBS isn't known. The disorder usually appears days or weeks after respiratory or digestive tract infection. Rarely recent surgery or immunization can trigger Guillain-Barre syndrome, which I thought about. I was like, well, maybe that vaccine, blah, blah, blah. But Apparently, no. Recently, there have been a few cases reported following infection with the Zika virus. Didn't have that, not claiming that, one around that. And for those who experienced it, may you be well. So, uh, in Guillain-Barre syndrome, your immune system, which usually attacks only invading organisms, that's what I was talking about, those foreign you know, uh, visitors, begins attacking the nerves because it's no respecter of, uh, you know, organisms, foreign or otherwise, right? It begins attacking the nerves. So in AIDP, the most common form of Guillain-Barre syndrome in the U.S., the nerves protective covering, the myelin sheath, I'm learning, I learned all kinds of medical stuff, which made me realize, well, medical school might've been fun, but not so much. It's better to just kind of learn vicariously like this. So the protective in Guillain-Barre syndrome in the U.S., the nerves protective covering, the myelin sheath is damaged. The damage prevents nerves from transmitting signals to your brain, causing weaknesses, weakness, numbness, or paralysis. It's serious, guys. So take it very seriously. Guillain-Barre syndrome can affect all age groups, but you're slightly you're slightly at greater risk if you're you're a man or a young adult. Well, I don't know what that's about. I guess I'm young at heart. And, I, and I'm very positive. I'm very comfortable in my femininity, just, just so you know. Um, so Guillain-Barre syndrome may be triggered. Now, this is where, you know, I, I also thought about it. Uh, most commonly infection with chem, campylobacter, a type of bacteria often found in undercooked poultry. Not an issue for me. Influenza virus. Hello. Uh, cyto. Now, I'm not telling you not to go get your flu virus. I'm just saying I thought about that. Right, um, Zika virus, hepatitis A, B, C, and E, HIV device that causes AIDS, mycoplasma pneumonia, surgery, Hodgkin's lymphoma, rarely influenza vaccinations or childhood, rarely influenza vaccinations or childhood vaccinations. So that's why I was like, eh, you know, that probably. Either way, this was part of my journey, is part of my journey. I left it alone. Epstein, Epstein Barr virus, uh, cytomegal the virus. Ooh, another one. So the complications from that, right? You get the breathing difficulties, residual numbness or um, other sensations, heart and blood pressure problems, pain. Ooh, a lot of pain. 
um, bowel and bladder function problems, which eventually improved. Thank goodness. Blood clots, they checked. I didn't have none. Thank God. Pressure sores, right? Um, because not moving so much, you develop sores. But I, I kept moving. Vinda was pain. Again, some benefits from the military, you push beyond your comfort level, not or your comfort zone physically, even though sometimes that's a knucklehead move. But hey, in this case, it came in handy. Uh, relapse, about 3% of the people with Guillain-Barre syndrome experience a relapse. Well, in my case, it, it's still ongoing. Severely symptoms of Guillain-Barre syndrome significantly increase the risk of serious long-term complications. Well, yeah, it's pretty much my situation. Really, death may occur f- from complications such as respiratory distress syndrome or heart attack. Now that part sounded like one of those infomercials late at night where they're talking about a medication and then like to, you know, maybe to clear up your, your sinus infection. But they say in rare cases, patients have been known to have a heart attack. Um, some patients have been known to, de- you know, to develop, uh, a, a, you know, like a lost limb. And in extreme cases, patients have died. That's what it reminded me of. And I was like, well, crap, what the, what the what? All right. So got the treatment and the doctors explained to me, even though they did the myelin, uh, another option, if this can persist is recycling my blood kind of like, uh, Oh God, I forgot what, what it is that the type of therapy it is. But anyway, uh, dialysis, I think it is what well, I think it's us where your, your blood recycles. So basically it becomes brand new. And so the, the myelin that was missing is no longer. All right. Um, and then I forgot what the other procedure was, but in, in, in lieu of that and throughout that, you know, physical therapy, uh, more movement, acknowledging when, when there is a pain. I already had pain relievers for other issues for, you know, just m- daily routine pain um, and consistent follow-up with your neurologist. Well, in the midst of all that, there are some other family medical issues that came up, so I had to delay that. Uh, not not good. I'd advise you not do that. However, that's my personal situation. And my goal is to eventually go back because the, the symptoms are still there. So, And they keep reminding me, especially some of the numbing in my toes and the tingling in my hands. And sometimes the, the, the wheel sharp pain or electrical current that goes by and says, hey, I'm not the usual one. I'm, I'm passing through. I share all of this with you because, you know, we're, we're covering a whole lot of topics and, and, and reality TV and politics. But some of the other stuff that's going on in, in our lives that, you know, we also need to know about. Like I had, you know, I ended up finding out because it, it came right at my door. Not only it didn't even knock, it busted the door open and said, here I am, uh, deal with it. So I'm sharing all of this with you so that in case you know of someone or you see a member of your loved one, uh, a, a loved one maybe experiencing some signs and symptoms of this, don't take the chance. Find a doctor. I know medical expenses can go really high if you don't have Medicaid or Medicare or anything in between. Yes, the medical bills. Hey, I still have to pay medical bills even after my copay, even after insurance. So I'm letting you know, like, that's also no respecter of persons. Hopefully healthcare management and healthcare costs at some point in time in the near future before we're all like, you know, gone into another century will improve. But in the meantime, in between time, you, the one thing, no matter how wealthy or, or financially wealthy you are or not, you can't buy health, right? So if you need to see the emergency room and then they bill you, however they're going to bill you and you make payment arrangements, then do that. Because I promise you, this is one of those conditions that I, I realized was re- is rarely ever really discussed, at least in my world, that I was familiar with, but yet has a very significant impact. And then once I had it, one of the nurses slash social workers who came to visit me, she said her father had it and in addition to other issues he had passed on. And another, you know, another, another member of the nursing staff actually came to visit. She's like, this is where that we even see somebody with your condition. And a lot of times when we see them, you know, they're in their worst case scenario. So 
I really internalized and and acknowledged that part of the journey, this journey that I I have experienced or have traveled is for me to be a living testimony or to pay it forward by educating someone out there, right? Through this medium to let them know about this, because although I'm still living with it, I've at least found there are solutions for me. There are solutions available to me. Okay. And that's important. Again, like I always say, you're not alone. Whatever situation you think you're in, trust and believe. People don't talk about their stuff a lot. Some people stay, you know, it's about pride. Sometimes community has a stigma on it. Some people think, well, you're just not, you know, you're just not prayerful enough. You're not faithful enough. Or it's karma. That's, listen, all of that is hogwash. In the military, you know, in certain fields, you say that's hot garbage. Listen, you didn't do anything to, to, to earn some kind of illness. That's like, children that are just born and they have some kind of situation. What are you saying? In their previous life, they did something crappy and this is what's happening to them or they did something crappy before they even had a chance to say papa or dada. Listen, even if you think that that's the case, get that crap out of your head. Go seek medical attention. Go seek, a, go go find physicians. Go to the emergency room and let them confirm or deny whether or not, you know, it's bad karma or not. And if it is, well, crap, there's still a solution for the physical manifestation of it. And then you can deal with your spiritual situation. All right. Please go, if you recognize any of these symptoms, you can also read up exactly what I just read over to you because you're speaking my own layman's terms. I really wanted to interject the actual official data uh, that's that's out there on it, right? And actually a friend of mine, a fellow service um, member in the different branches of service, but we got to know each other through the vet center and she mentioned that her mom has it and her mom is actually... Um, has paralysis as a result of it. She has other medical issues, but that's that's um, the cause of the the primary cause of her paralysis. So take this seriously, folks. If you've never heard of Guillain-Barré syndrome, otherwise known as GPS, and all of its subgroups, and you you even have a dose of those symptoms. Now they can be mistaken for something else. It's just like getting misdiagnosed. You know, uh, you know, folks getting misdiagnosed for ADD or ADHD or being autistic, all of these other things. Yes. Can there be misdiagnosed? Sure. There can be misdiagnoses. That's, that's on the better end of the spectrum though. Right. So better you find out, okay, some, and then you can get a second opinion than not even check it out at all. And then you're up, you know, the Creek without a paddle. You're up the sugar, honey, iced tea without a paddle. And that's a very bad situation, especially if you don't have a life vest. And if, and if you don't swim, it sucks because I don't. So I, I, I can tell you right now, and for some reason, I don't float. But I digress. So again, I say this to you because if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, if, if you know somebody who is, take, help them, encourage them, take them to seek um, medical attention, preferably the emergency room because a lot of times your doctor may not be readily available. All right. Uh, I was best enough to at least get some appointments, get a follow up, even though it was the holidays. I appreciated the doctors that stuck around during the holidays. I had felt some kind of way about VA because they sent me home and didn't do the due diligence. But I forgive uh, their lack of sensitivity. Right. Because I think with such a volume of vets that they see a lot of times. Well, and that's in a lot of fields. People become very desensitized. So if you're a vet and this is happening to you as well, don't give up. Go to the civilian uh you know, emergency room, and then you can deal with VA afterwards and get your information passed on there and your PCM there can, you know, address the concern and then you can address it with, you know, the, the, the chain of bureaucracy, but go seek the medical help and know that it's okay. Well, it's not okay, but you can make it through it. Hopefully you make it through it in a more manageable way. Like, like I am, then 
you know, more debilitating way because, you know, but for the grace of divine, you know, uh, favor, you know, I have a family to take care of, you know, and there's other vets out there who may not have family members around them. What were, what were they going to do? And, you know, immediately after I came out of the hospital, there were some other serious uh, family medical emergencies. So, you know, by receiving this treatment to at least keep me afloat, I was able to be there for these other emergencies that presented themselves. And there's some vets that are out there by themselves, people in general that are out there by themselves. I don't have a lifeline. And that also brings me to something. Um, not all blood relatives are family and some non-blood relatives are family, are more family than the ones that are, you're biologically related to. But however that falls down, if this, however that comes about, if you have someone that you care about, you know somebody that's really kind of solo, at least reach out to them. If they don't reach back, that's a choice. But reach out to them and, and see how they're doing. Um, because that type of situation, to find yourself in it, if you develop paralysis or you, you retain the symptoms, folks, that's a, that's a doozy. Anyway. Anywho, that's what I have to share with you on Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, I may do another, um, I'm, I make no promises. I, I really work on not doing that because I want to be able to keep whatever my word is. I have some other topics I want to share. I'll see how many of them I can get through today. I still have house chores to do, um, some other tasks on my plate. So we'll see. All right. Hope wherever you're at, you're experiencing your healthy dose of serenity and tranquility and feeling infinitely unconditionally loved by the divine source of all. Okay. Wishing you divine blessings, favor, love, protection, peace, resources that you need beyond measure and safety until next time. Stay blessed.